This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Hi and welcome to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. My name is Louise and I'm an alcoholic. The purpose of this show is to increase public awareness of Alcoholics Anonymous as an effective means of recovery from the disease of alcoholism. Our show has two parts. First, we'll talk a bit about alcoholism, what it is and what AA can do to help. Then we'll interview a recovering alcoholic who is an active member of AA. I'm now going to ask our guest to read the AA preamble, which is read at the start of every AA meeting. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution. Does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. So what is alcoholism? Alcoholism is a disease, not a disgrace. There's no shame in having an illness or a disease. An unusual feature of this disease is it will do whatever it can to convince you that you do not have it. However, once it has a hold of you, the progression of symptoms is like the classic disease model, and the victim is as helpless as a sufferer of cancer. If you are an alcoholic, you're at the beginning of a long road that usually ends in one of three places. Prisons, institutions, or death. If you think this sounds dramatic, we can assure you that our collective experience has shown this to be true. The challenge is to convince the alcoholic to admit that they need help and become willing to seek it. Denial is a major symptom of alcoholism. The alcoholic is often the last one to recognise it and admit that they have it. Our definition of alcoholism is it is an allergy of the body coupled with an obsession of the mind. The allergy is the physical aspect of the disease. After having the first drink, the phenomenon of craving develops and we lose control over when we will stop drinking. The old saying is, one is too many and a thousand is never enough. And yet, because of the obsession of the mind, the mental aspect of the disease, the alcoholic is compelled to keep picking up the first drink and this is what makes us powerless. We often hear from sober alcoholics that many doubted whether life could be fun without alcohol. Fortunately, those same people report that their lives have improved dramatically since they became sober. The 12-step program of recovery, which is discussed at meetings and which is outlined in the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book, is how we get sober and maintain our sobriety one day at a time. This program has a proven track record of helping otherwise hopeless alcoholics to achieve long-term sobriety and recovery. It has taught us how to enjoy life sober.
Okay, for anyone who's just joined us, you're listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. We're just about to interview an AA member who's going to share their experience with alcoholism. So let's meet our guest. Welcome to the show. Would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, yes, thank you. My name's Shane. I'm an alcoholic. Brilliant. And can you tell us, how long have you been sober, Shane? Um, I haven't had a drink in 22 months or Wonderful. just passed. Wonderful. And um, let's talk a little bit about uh, life outside of the rooms of AA. Uh, do you want to tell us how old you are? Um, I'm 41 years old. Brilliant. And you've been, uh, you live You live in Christchurch, you're from Christchurch? Uh, yes, born in Christchurch, of course, uh, 1st of January 81. Um, and yeah, <laughs> I've travelled around a bit. Yeah, yeah. Gay crash, I said, Mum. Um, <laughs> so yeah, and I've sort of travelled, moved around a bit and spent the last uh, 15 odd years in Australia working hospitality until good old COVID uh, kicked <laughs> in. <laughs> right, okay. And um, let's talk a little bit about your childhood. What was it like growing up? Oh, um, well, it's funny. My earliest memory was uh, sort of out out by the uh, Aranui Library, out when only by the shops there. And I do recall um, living in Brook Street, Bexley, back in the day um, for a few years, played soccer as goalkeeper there. Uh, my mother and stepfather owned a cafe in the Central New Brighton Mall, so a very different world. I uh, went to Central New Brighton School. So as you can imagine, it's a real shock to sort of come back and see the whole mm. place change. But, you know, it's not a bad thing. It's change, mm. you know. Uh, so... And yeah, sort of just moved down to Needham with mum. Uh, we separated from the stepfather, so a uh, parent sort of thing. Uh, but you know, strong work ethic at a young age, helping mum in the dollar and mm. um, high school all the way through. Um, well, I got kicked out when I was fifteen, and just started working in hospitality just to keep myself out of trouble. Um, and from from Queenstown to Needham, Christchurch. Mm. Napier, uh, first waitering job was actually, I started out back of the house, but first waitering job was in Overtail Wellington in 2000-ish. We had the All Blacks stay there regularly, so amazing uh, sort of opportunity with that sort of clientele around. And then uh, sort of up to Napier and then went through Spring Hill uh, Napier Rehab, uh, 2003 to four, and then lived with my grandparents in Darfield for a few months and then went to Australia. Um, and of course, as you know, the rest. All right. Let's get into later. so let's get into that. Yep. So um what I'd like to know is when did you start drinking and what was it like? Uh, well I remember when I was about eleven twelve, <laughs> kids being kids, you know, we're always eyeing up the beers when we go to the when the family went to the pubs and mum cheekily one night said, Okay, you can have a can of beer one take your time and I've actually made that can of spates last me about an hour wow. um, but of course when puberty hits um, you know the weight of the world and everything sucks and it's everyone else's fault um, you know to go go to the spout and the wall with the riggers back back then you know um, it's just what you know teenagers mm. did um, and I think it really sort of come out then um, and I think sort of people that I was kicking around with um, sort of noticed the change then I didn't really think anything of it. Um, and then there was other, you know, sort of family members that kind of awakened that alcoholism, alcoholism sort of side of, of mm. me more. 
Um, but I never really considered myself an alcoholic because we said, oh, you, you know, bad night, you get back on the horse, carry on, <laughs> uh, you know. Um, so, and yeah, the, the change and that sort of sort of came through and, you know, no one really said to me that, you know, you're an alcoholic or anything, um, but I just reached a point, um, you know, that I just, I sort of had enough, um, so I went to rehab, um, and I, I just couldn't let go, um, and I fell back into it afterwards. So, so as so, let's talk a little bit more about you know when you were a teenager, and as you progressed into early adulthood, um, and it obviously escalated quite quickly for you, as you say, you went to rehab in two thousand and three. Uh, that's correct. Yes. And so you're still a very young adult. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about more of what the drinking did for you when you had it. Ah, well, when when I was a bit younger, you know, it was a social thing to do. It was, yeah, it was just part of what you did. I mean, you know, we're groomed and it's part mm-hmm. of society. Uh, but what it did for me is just, I don't know, it was fun and it was a, it was a breakaway. Um, but it also s- tend to have changed um, to into a negative, you know, mm. Jekyll and Hyde, as they say. Um, so I'd become a bit aggro and mm. and everything else and grumpy and there'd be, you know, y- problems seemed to surface then, or at least it did for me, you know, when I reached a certain point. Um, but also I couldn't stop um, as well. And that was, of course, for most alcoholics, the, the main thing. And, and so that happened obviously for you quite quickly. What was it like going into rehab at such a young age or at the age you were at? Oh, geez, I was such a grumpy young man. <laughs> um, well, look, it was really, only recently have I sort of re- remembered the, the, you know, when I accepted the fact that I was an alcoholic and I was very, that sucks, that's unfair, why can't I have my cake mm. and eat it too, so to speak. Um, yet, however, I was very young, stubborn and determined uh, that I was not, I was going to do it my way. Mm. And we're not talking France now, nah, we're talking Johnny Rotten, <laughs> you know. <laughs> And, of course, work in hospitality, that only mm. was just supporting it. Um, and it was just part of the norm. And I, I do recall chefs saying, you know, look, we're all alcoholics, we know, we just do it. But it was like, as one, one uh, friend of the family said, you know, you change when you drink. Mm. Um, but for years I just I kept drinking because that was just part of it. And as much as I tried to say no, I do recall an Australia day where I had a maitre d' You know, smack the iced coffee out of my hand because I said I'm not drinking today. And he goes, Australia Day, beer. Wow. You know, and that was just a part of the culture, you know. Sure. And so, um, you know, you talked about uh, knowing, I guess, uh, that the way you drink is not normal. Hence, you obviously sought some help at a, at a young age. Mm. Um, let's talk about, though, what happened after that and how it progressed. Well, it was very much I would I would smash a can fifteen to twenty minutes, so I'd down about two to three max in an hour, um, and yeah, and then it would just I'd reach that point. I had my good nights and my bad nights. Mm. Uh, sometimes it was you know depending on if I'd eaten or or my health, you know, um, that I could become very intoxicated and have no idea what I'd done, wake up and watch mm. houses. There's nothing worse than being dehydrated and uh, piss crook in mm. Australia here trying to get home when you're broke and you can't take public transport. Uh, but other times it was like I had a great night out and there were times I could stop mm. and say no or someone said, let's go to the pub and I'd be like, no, I don't mm. feel like drinking. 
So uh, the way I put it down to is my mother's side of the family is pretty much norms and on my father's side has that gene. And so what was it then? You know, you've been, you've been sober now for, you know, you haven't picked up a drink for 22 months um, and, you're, you know, you're into your, your early 40s. What was it that brought you back into the rooms this time? Ah, beautiful. Um, so I, I bought my first vehicle, Smart Move, at 39 with COVID, backpacker van, because uh, I wasn't going to isolate, or, you know, with, with people I didn't know. So I, I decided to get a bed on wheels, um, but yet with the depression and the frustration of just wanting to work, because that's how I was conditioned over there, don't work, don't get paid, um, that I was finding myself out in the wop wops, um, drive half an hour, you know, on gravel road to get more more alcohol. Mm. And, you know, the second time before the judge, I just said, no, that's enough. You can, you can throw the book at me, I'm going to rehab. Mm. If I got behind the wheel... Of, of, of my van and you know I crashed into a car and, and my main thought was you know if it was a family or something like that mm. I don't want that on my conscience um, so and I just thought look enough's enough um, you know life life's worth living um, you know so I just wanted I wanted a change because I knew that change wanting to change was there but I was you know as I say stuck in that that environment or that, mm. that mindset as I say thinking problem and okay, so let's talk about then what it was like to go to your first AA meeting. Oh, well, my first AA meeting um, back here, it was actually AA Rocks on a Monday, a power community, 12.30. Um, that was, I was quite unwell, you know. Um, I mean, I've been to eight AA meetings before in rehab and I hated them. I mm. never wanted a drink until I went to a meeting. <laughs> um, so it, it was... There was determination and a sense of, um, yeah, just determination. Like I was just, this is it. I'm going to see this thing through. Um, but, I mean, I was very unwell and I was very sort of anxiety and down and, you know, a sick little, well, a sick old brat in the corner <laughs> didn't want to share. But, I mean, I, I had one one guy um, who became my sponsor, top bloke. Um, he just stood up and said, you're on board, mate, I'll, you know. Well, actually, I said, oh, yeah, you're my sponsor. He goes, you want me to be my sponsor? And I'm like, I thought you were my sponsor. All right, you're my sponsor. Um, so, mud. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it was, um, as someone said to me in the fellowship, you've got to have it up in your in your mind. And I've realised heart, mind and soul, you've got to want to change, you know. Mm. Um, so, and I fully engaged in the program. I took on any responsibilities I could. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to as many meetings as I could despite I'd lost my licence for a month. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was averaging probably one meeting a day, doing maybe about five and then six. Um, but I mean, now I'm averaging anywhere from 14 to 19 meetings a week. Wow. Um, you get out what you put in, stuff may not stick, um, but you will wake up and realise, oh wait, I remember that. So it works and I, I feel, you know, it's become more than, you know, Staying off the grog, it is a lifestyle, mm. it is a spiritual thing. Um, alcohol, I find, will destroy the spiritual spiritual side of you, <laughs> hence they call it spirits for a reason. Mm. Um, <laughs> and the energy I felt in those rooms, and the even, even 22 months I've seen changes in people, and mm. look, what more can I say? And so there's so much you've covered on, um, I guess, you know, the way you were felt. Uh, you were welcomed into that meeting. Mm-hmm. Someone reached out to you. Mm-hmm. 
and you started to feel a part of. Mm. You've touched on sponsorship, and so that's obviously been something that's important to you. Yes, look, having having the sponsors there and sort of someone to, 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 to guide you and give you a little nudge and a push and, you know, check up on you, um, it makes a huge, huge difference. Um, mm-hmm. I do have a new sponsor now who I call my boss, my first one I call the godfather. <laughs> um, <clears throat> you know, and he, he's been indisposed for a bit, but he's still made the efforts to get back. And, and I know, like, even if you can't get hold of your sponsor, I know there's other people I can call. And one guy, I've called him twice, answer the phone straight away. Sometimes, most likely, I won't get a text from him. But if I call him, he'll answer. Yep. So, yeah, it's very important. And, look, even, even giving out your numbers to people mm. to talk to someone else that is new, even if you've got a few months on them, makes a difference. So what a change from when you first came into those meetings through the treatment centre. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about some of the things you do uh, to help you cope with difficulties. Well, I recall what, being in the backpacker van, um, grinding myself down, waiting for rehab, um, especially over the summertime, because um, it actually happened on New Year's Day, believe it or not. Yeah, ironic, ironic isn't it? Um, I used to monitor myself because I was in a campground, there were people drinking and drugging, um, and it was a pretty good safe environment. Um, but I mean, there was going to be triggers and that's why life, life doesn't change. Um, so I used to monitor, how am I feeling about that? Sunny day, music, oh, I smack my lips. Mm. Um, you know, but I used to monitor, how do I feel today? 45%, 65 bring it down, bring it down, bring it down, do something. Um, you know, I couldn't listen to music on a sunny day without mm, wanting a drink. Mm. Now I wake up, first thing, music's on, potter around, be productive, sidetrack. Um, so, I mean, and it, and it gets better. It, it really does. But mm. you've just got to persevere. And I've come to realise, well, if you fall over, get back on the horse, mm. they say, of the drinking. So why can't you utilise it without the drink? Um, it's basically what we're expected to, to drink or use or whatever you like. Um why don't you celebrate each minute, each hour, each day? Um, you know, happy unbirthday, mm. Alice in Wonderland. We're all a little mad down here. Mm. And, and and so I guess it's that that day at a time, that twenty four hours at a time, a minute at a time. Exactly. And so you touched briefly on on the spiritual side of things. And so we talk about AA to be a spiritual program, not a religious program. What was that like for you when you came in? Oh, look, I always had, uh, you know, especially being in the 80s where, where, you know, there was, you know, religion in public schools and that. Mm. Um, there was always, as most people do, have that, that, that thing with that God word. Um, and look, it's, it's how you take it on board. Like for me, um, when they say high power, it made it a lot more easier because mm. you could chop and change. I remember someone saying, oh, this, this rock can be mm. your God, you know, and I, mm. I love the fact that it's what you can whatever you want it to be, there was a story I heard in Australia, a guy went away to find his higher power and he come back. So the story goes in a crowded AA room in Australia and I said, I find my higher power, it's Eeyore. Well, everybody roared off laughter because they thought he was talking about the donkey from Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> you know, but I mean, it's how you how you adapt and change it. It's how it works for you. Um, let's say you, you love, say, musicals or... Or like golf, well, your golf club can be your higher power. Mm. You don't have mm. to use that word God because we have, we have issues with that of how we've mm. interpreted it over the years and you know what what's happened in society and the world. And for you today, what does that look like? 
Oh, for me, the higher power of God is that cosmic energy. It, it's like I've had a lot of premonitions come to pass. I mean, I had premonition that stands out the most uh, before I went to rehab. Um, so I, I won't deny that there's something out there that there is some sort of an energy. You know, um, if you have a, if you have a problem uh, coping with the, with that word, change it. And make it work for you, because it's your journey, you know. Mm. Make it work for you. And so, talking about your journey, Shane, what's your life like today? Oh, it's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Look, you know, I I, I, the smell of alcohol kind of makes me ill. I I, no offence to other people who know who I am. Um, You know, I don't really want to hang around people that drink. Mm. You know, it's it's nothing personal, but. The smell, you know, and you can notice in some people the behavioural change. Mm. And it does make you uncomfortable as well because you know they're not themselves, so to speak. Like Even if they don't change, you can just you just know. Uh, but life's really good. I mean, I'm more active. I don't even think about drinking. Um, and if I do, I go, well, what percentage do I feel about having a drink? Pfft, it's nothing, mm. you know. And look, that, that's for me. It's not going to necessarily go that way for you. But as I say, you'll make it work. But life's awesome. Mm. Um, yeah, life's just awesome. That's brilliant. And Shane, what would you recommend um, to someone who might be listening who thinks maybe I've got a drinking problem? What are some of the things they could ask themselves? Jeez, um, how badly do you want it? You know, is it worth picking up that drink? I know that I used to love getting getting tipsy or, or excuse the language, pissed, listening to music, you know, just having that escape and, you know, but it was fleeting. Mm-hmm. And if, if you're feeling, um, you know, remorse or anger or guilt or shame or frustration and, you know, um, get in the rooms and give it a go and see how it changes. You know where that drink can take you, right? So why not try the other method? Um, mm-hmm. I've come to see many analogies, but one I sort of used lately is that life is like your favorite program. You know, and and what you put in your body is like your comfort food. If you change your diet, your whole pro- your program will take on a whole new perspective. Mm-hmm. And the scary thing is, well, look, look at Christchurch for example. It's all changed. This horrible things been happening, but yet there's a lot of good that's come out of it. And mm-hmm. people have adapted and gone. Well, look, we've got a modern a modern city. Mm-hmm. Um, Bexley, where I grew up, it was sad to see, but now look at it. We've got this great big park mm-hmm. where people can get out there and do stuff. So uh, I guess in a term, Urusborus, if that makes sense to those who who know what that means. If not, look it up. Excellent. And then look up aa.org as well, get to a meeting. Wonderful. Well, Shane, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story with us. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Wonderful. For our listeners, if you've related to anything you've heard or would like some more information about Alcoholics Anonymous, you can look us up on the web at www.aa.org.nz or call us on 0800 AA Works. There are over 60 meetings a week in Canterbury, so it's likely there's one near you. Join us next week to hear from more AA members sharing their experiences. Our show airs every Monday at 5.30pm on Plains FM and repeats on Wednesday at 12.30pm. You can also find podcasts of our past shows on the Plains FM website at plainsfm.org.nz or you can download, subscribe and listen to podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. That brings us to the end of the show. 
Thank you for listening and remember, if you want to drink, that's your business. But if you want to stop, we can help. You don't have to do it alone. We will now close the show with a serenity prayer as we do in every AA meeting. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. You have been listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show on Plains FM 96.9.